welcome to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Crew, a mom to twin girls, small town family doctor, and clarity coach for high achieving moms. Let's face it, motherhood is amazing, but it's only one part of who we are as women. I believe we all begin our motherhood journey as unique individuals with big, beautiful goals and dreams, yet too soon lose ourselves in the overwhelm and chaos that is being a mom. If you've got kids at your feet and a fire in your belly that tells you you're meant for more, I've got your back, sister. Each week on this show, I'll bring you tactical tools and expert strategies to help you quiet the chaos, master your mindset, and curate your life in support of your beautiful dreams in harmony with your motherhood journey. You were meant for more, and there's nothing wrong with that, mama. Let's make it happen. Welcome back to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Carly Crew, and I'm really excited to have Tiana Fesh on with me today for our guest interview. Tiana is a married mom of three kids aged 13, 11, and 8, and she is currently in the taxi cab driver stage of parenting with two kids in hockey and one in gymnastics and piano. Tiana has been working in the field of education for 16 years as a classroom science teacher, curriculum developer, early childhood coordinator, early learning coordinator, overseeing programs and teams of specialists for young children with developmental delays, and is now a sessional instructor in the Faculty of Education at the University of Calgary. Since becoming a mom, Tiana found that part-time work was the best fit for her and her family. She's utilized a variety of creative strategies to make this situation work for her family and is currently the host of the new podcast, The Part-Time Jungle. Thank you so much, Tiana, for joining me. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to dive in and talk specifically about this juggle of motherhood and work because I think you've done a really beautiful job making the gray area apparent to moms. Meaning I think sometimes some of us get stuck in this black and white situation of I either stay home or I work out of the house full time. And I think that your podcast and your message is really to just highlight the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And I'd love to hear your input on that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and your journey so far? Well, it all started when I became a mom. And I think before becoming a mom, I had some sort of an idea. I thought of what that would be like. And I anticipated returning to work um, full time as a teacher. And I felt like the moment that I became a mom, I just couldn't imagine how teaching full-time and being a mom full-time would work for me. So it just, I think right away, I started doing some big-time reflection. Um, I was very hard on myself because I looked around and I felt like I was the only one sort of struggling with this. I found as a new mom, uh, people tended not to talk so much about the things that they were struggling with. I found that as we had more children, people became more open and honest. But with my first, it just felt like every, everything was great with everybody else and not with me. Uh, so I ended up, after my first maternity leave, doing a job share with another teacher. So we managed to convince our principal that this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And we also child care shared. Uh, So we'd each teach half the day and then 
while one of us was teaching, the other was looking after the two kids. So yeah, it's a genius that, creative solution. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> it, it worked really well. Um, logistically, it was amazing. And there were so many benefits to that, especially I didn't have to worry about who was looking after our little guy. But I found that I was very lonely. Um, mm. It was hard to get that adult interaction piece. Um, but, but it worked really well. And it was a, a good experience overall. And then we had our second baby. And again, that panic crept in. Uh, and I actually decided to go back to university. Um, it was something I'd always wanted to do. So that worked out really well. Then we had a third baby. So you can see how this is going along. And um, he was actually born just before I finished my master's degree, which made for an interesting uh, completion of that no educational doubt. experience. Um, but after having our third I really didn't know what to do. Um, putting or finding childcare for three children is a task unto yeah. itself. No kidding. And um, I ended up resigning from the school board. Um, I just couldn't see how I for myself could manage that juggle with teaching and then having the three kids. And my husband at the time was an, um, an assistant principal. He's now a principal. So his position wasn't very flexible and I just couldn't see it working. So that was a really tough thing to do because mm -hmm. I'd gone to university to become a mm -hmm. teacher. I had a permanent contract that job security, and then I just let that all go. But um, what I found made a huge difference for me was um, just talking to people about the type of work that I wanted to do, because I did want to work. I didn't want to be at home full time. Mm -hmm. It just needed to align better with the rest of my life, mm -hmm. and it needed to fill me and uh, uh, get my mind uh, working in some new and creative ways. And I love my kids to bits, but I wanted to be able to talk about something other than mm -hmm. just... <laughs> That's the whole purpose of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there was something inside of me. And so uh, it made me feel very vulnerable, but I did talk to honestly anybody who would listen mm -hmm. uh, about what I wanted to do people, I'd be standing in line at the grocery store if they started to chat with me uh. or sitting at my kids' activities. And I ended up getting a call from a man that I had told what I wanted to do uh, while I was doing my master's degree. And he said he had the perfect job for me. So I ended up getting to um, develop two curriculums for the Calgary Board of Education. And it was amazing. It was part-time. I could work mostly from home. I got to go downtown and dress up once in a while. Uh, it was fantastic, but it was contract-based. So I did that for two years, and then that came to an end. And again, just putting it out there, it sounds so cheesy, but... Right putting it out to the universe. I Absolutely. Guess. I'm a huge, I'm a huge, I believe that, right? You yeah. put it out to the universe and you hope that it comes back and you have an idea of what it is that you want and, and you hope. <laughs> you hope something happens, but I think like it can be scary to do that. Um, but you never know. And it ended up 
resulting in an, another amazing position and opportunity. And that kind of has been the way I've navigated these meaningful, soul-filling, part-time work opportunities that are connected with teaching, which is mm -hmm. an area of passion of mine, but that just work better with all the things that come um, with having a busy family life. So it's been great. And um, when I was doing my master's degree, the focus of my major project was all about new teacher mentorship. And so now being able to teach in the Faculty of Education at the University of Calgary is honestly a dream come true. Perfect. So I get to mentor student teachers and I feel so um, blessed and excited. But even that opportunity and me finding out about it came from a conversation sitting and watching my kids at gymnastics. Right? <laughs> Your story yeah. is so beautiful. And I think there's so much that I can relate to, but also I hope that our listeners can relate to. And a couple themes that run through a lot of the guests I host on the podcast are something along the lines of, you know, I was a certain way. I had a certain job and then I became a mom and all of a sudden it didn't seem aligned anymore. And you commented on the fact that it was scary at first. And it was really like, you know, to some people it's overwhelming. You feel guilty. You feel bad. There's a lot of unknowns. It feels like the carpet's kind of like whew, right out from under you. But identifying and, and I guess highlighting what you did was that this happens to so many of us. And so if it's happening to listeners, that you're not alone. And that's why your podcast and my podcast really exist is to have a community around the fact that it's okay once you're a mom to have a new focus or to think what you were doing before might not work anymore. And that that's a natural progression. And then the other thing that I noticed that runs through your story really beautifully is this sense of you were following your purpose and passion, something that you loved and felt really called to and passionate about. And you created that, a new way to use that passion and purpose, right? That aligned with your motherhood journey. And I think that's such a beautiful expression of that, what you were able to do. And then the third thing that I love, and I don't often talk about a lot of kind of more spiritual or, you know, universal type concepts, but I agree completely in trusting that you're on the right path, that you are going to live aligned with your purpose in a way that fits with motherhood and that you're putting it out to the universe and hoping it comes back to you and having that trust and that it has really beautifully in a lot of ways for you created this like sequential path of awesome jobs that you've had that you feel so fulfilled and so blessed to have, which is just really, really awesome. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Thank you. So I know one of your biggest focuses in your platform is helping moms navigate this work and motherhood like juggle, right? And understanding that when you're trying to figure out what's going to work for your family, that there's going to be challenges, there's going to be missteps, right? You might try something and it might not work correctly. Can you talk to um, our listeners a little bit about that process, what that looks for you, or even to provide some tips for them navigating that process? So I think a big thing in making some sort of a shift is coming up with a bit of a plan. So yes, I'm a type A personality for sure. But I think sometimes we look at where we're at and we maybe have an idea of where we'd like to be or maybe just even recognizing that we want a change, but it just seems to be too big or too much. So I think just taking that moment of pause and 
it depends on who you are as a person. It could be writing things down. It could be going out for coffee with a friend and just trying to break it down a little bit. So really trying to think about what are my priorities. So I like to think about it in terms of going on, say, a dream vacation. So what would be your must-see, must-do list? So it might be even things like your commute time or where it is you're working. Um, it might be the number of hours that you're working. Um, it might be the days of the week that you're working. So it, it could be even connected to your current job or what you're doing and how that might look a little bit different. Also in making some sort of change, I think recognizing some of those obstacles and barriers that are preventing us from making a change. Because even though we might know in our heart of hearts that um, like for myself, I was teaching and I could have continued doing that, but I know it wouldn't have felt right. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something different, but what was sort of holding me back? So sometimes, again, it can be logistical pieces like childcare. How can I make a change? Where are my kids going to be? What are they going to be doing? Or it might be that you need some additional training or education, or it might be that you are experiencing, and this was a huge one for me with leaving teaching, that mom guilt. Like, why is it that this job that many other moms do and have success at and feel good about just isn't aligning for me. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge obstacle I had to get over. Uh, and then I think it's just taking, once you've sort of identified some of those logistical pieces and prioritized for yourself a little mm -hmm. bit, it's just breaking down your plan and taking those first steps. So it could be something as simple as, thinking about who maybe you know um, that you could talk to about some of the different opportunities that are sort of flowing in your mind. Or maybe it's picking up a book from the library, or maybe it's listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's thinking about what's one small thing that I could do tomorrow that would help me make a change. So I think it's just little things are totally. can end up sort of accumulating over time and, and uh, help you make those big changes. But it's scary. It's yeah, scary. absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's a good one too, right? Mentioning that it's scary is that any change that you make when it's not just you that's going to be impacted, especially as moms, like we are terrified that we, you know, might, you know, bring our kids to a babysitter and then we'll feel guilty about that or whatever. And so we build up all this fear and that can really, really hold us back. And I think to acknowledge that any making any kind of change, you're going to be afraid. Right. And I'm always kind of like this proponent of like, do things that you're afraid of because that's the only way that you can really make changes is if we push through the fear and experience a new way of living. And I really love that you brought up the priorities thing because that's so important, right? It's like asking yourself, what's, motivating me right now to make a change from my current situation and why why do i really feel like i need to make a change what's most important to me in my life why am i making this change am i making the change because my priority is quality time with my kids am i making this change because my priority is you know being able to do this specific type of work right because when you're making when you're very clear on what your priority is and making the change that is kind of like a bit like your north star right you follow the priority you go you don't take on a new job 
just for the sake of taking on a new job. You would take on that job if it aligns with that priority or the set of priorities that you put for yourself. So I think those are like just awesome tips and taking small baby steps. I'm a huge fan of small baby steps. I think that in this like world of social media and everything, it seems sometimes like people make giant steps and before they were doing this and then they're doing that. And even listening to your story, I'm glad you mentioned that it was multiple little steps along the way because we can sometimes get this perspective that, you know, you're an overnight decision and your perfect job turned up right away. And it just happened in this like one fell swoop. And the reality is that's not the case, right? We're only ever seeing little tiny snapshots of people's lives and not realizing that we're missing a lot of the behind the scenes struggles and the fear and all of that stuff. And that it, it's really just like one little step, right? Take one step tomorrow. What can I do that's a little bit different? You know, could I, like you said, could I talk to a friend about how she got her job or what job she does? And, 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 you know, see how I can create something like that for myself. So also, so awesome. So awesome. One big point of this podcast is always to help moms kind of reduce the chaos, right? That's in the intro. It's like, I want to help you, um, quiet the chaos in your life as a mom, because mom life is almost synonymous with chaos, I feel like sometimes. And so talk to me a little bit about how you navigate that in your life. So what is, what helps you quiet the chaos in your life? So I think actually there's probably three big things that are most helpful to me. One is my village. (laughs) So I remember with our first child, people would offer to do things to help and I would usually say no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I don't. I think there's a beautiful opportunity when we can help one another. And so I feel really fortunate. I've developed some really great friendships and then we do also have family nearby in Calgary with us. But accepting help and you can do things like um, doing kids swaps if your children are driving you Mm -hmm. crazy. I'm a huge fan of kids swaps. Yes, it's amazing. Um, And just helping one another. So even things Mm -hmm. like carpooling, because as you mentioned, I'm in the taxi cab driver Mm -hmm. of parenthood. And so... Again, accepting that help in getting kids to and from places and then providing that support to other families as well. Mm-hmm. So the village piece is huge. Yeah, realizing that you don't actually have to do everything. No. I think so many of us <laughs> still carry this idea. I was actually just talking to a mom in clinic today about that, of being like, you know, you don't have to do this all by yourself, right? Like there are other people around. And a lot a lot of women have those people and maybe don't realize it, um, that, that there are people around you that would help you. And other moms are just desperate for communication in the village. Right. And so use, you know, use, not use each other, but depend on each other. I think it's super important. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a huge win. Um, it's been amazing. So that one's made a huge difference for me and just being, that village, especially with friendships, just going through things together, it makes you realize when you have conversations about some of the challenging things that you're experiencing, you're not actually the only one. And yes, to have that dialogue with your community makes such a huge difference because sometimes, yes, it seems like everybody has it all together and that everything is fantastic. Um, but oftentimes people are struggling with very similar things or questioning similar mm-hmm. things to what you are. So it's so mm-hmm. helpful just 
to have that network of support. Absolutely. Another one for me is um, taking time for myself and that self-care piece, which I know uh, is sort of that cheesy phrase that's out there all the time now, but um, weekday mornings, I get up at five o'clock and I'm either swimming or running or doing a workout of some sort. And I find that helps me to be more patient and calm as a mom. And it just starts out my day well for me. And I know not everybody is an early morning exercising person. And I do have to say when I especially with swimming, think about uh, getting into the pool early in the morning. If I think about it too much, I, it doesn't make me feel very excited, but I just have all my stuff out the night before. And once I get there and once I've swam, I feel amazing. So that's been super helpful. I'm a huge, 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 huge proponent of the morning routine. Actually, episodes one, two, and three of the Mind Over Motherhood podcast are all about morning routines for moms. So if you want to try to start a morning routine for yourself and experience what Tiana and I are talking about, that I agree, it's like just such a game changer for your day in how you can be calm and present and feel healthy and just really feel like you have a little bit more control over your day and yourself, right? That's a big one. You have a bit more control over your own reactions to things when you take time for yourself in the morning. That's huge. So if you want to start your own morning routine, head to episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's been a game changer for sure. And my third, um, thing would be, uh, I, we're sort of in a busy stage. So hockey is busy. Our kids love it. They've chosen this activity for themselves and it's so exciting to see them be so passionate about it. And then our youngest, he loves gymnastics and piano. And, you know, it's, I think it's great for our kids to see us doing the things that bring us joy. And it's also exciting as a mom to see our kids doing the same. Uh, Yes, though, it makes our life really hectic. So Mm -hmm. what I find really helpful, and I know actually our kids enjoy it too, are traditions. So having traditions, so there's all the chaos, but we have these traditions that we look forward to. And maybe in some ways you could just call them routines. So at bedtime, uh, both my husband and I, when we say goodnight to the kids, we have our little chat and then we have to, we say goodnight in the same way every night. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. Um, so it kind of creates a little bit of a calm, predictable piece to our day. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just the traditions, like we go camping every September long weekend and May long weekend with the same group of friends. I've lost track of how many years this has been happening. Aww. And it's just something we always look forward to. So we know even with all the crazy, there's that fun, those fun traditions. Um, Another one would be, uh, there's three families. So it's the moms and the kids. We go to Callaway Park before school starts up in the fall. And the moms in one log of the log ride, which is a ride we have at Callaway Park, and then the kids are in another one. And they there's a plan made in advance for costumes Cute. because as you're coming down the log ride, they take your picture. 
Yeah. So then nobody knows what the costumes are. It's very sneaky and secretive. And then there's judging at the end who had the best costume. So even just silly things like that, it's a tradition that's been going on for a number of years. And it just, in a way, creates that calm in the chaos. Totally. I, and you know what? I love that. And I, I mean, our kids are quite young still, but we do have some habitual things that we do, but we definitely don't have any of those, you know, routines or traditions that we do on a regular basis that are unique to our family. So I really love that. And I love how much fun it creates in even the transitions like you spoke about, like going back to school, it it almost creates that to be like a celebration about that time. And I agree with you. I think that having those traditions, I think our lives are so unpredictable as it is. And, and kids are, like you said, in different activities and doing things and you're working and you're out of the house, into the house, all these different things constantly. So to have something that just is constantly predictable about your day or your year or even your month can be really helpful and grounding, right? Things might be crazy and uphill and downhill. We might go on lots of different trips, but we always do this one trip. And I think that's so important for kids to have those memories that can be embedded and good times to look back on for themselves, as well as for you, right? To remember that it was hard. Motherhood is hard. There's different kind of emotional moments, but that you always had these awesome, good experiences each year that you made a priority. And I think it's really important going back to priorities is that you make you know, fun and feeling good and f- having fun together as a family, a priority, which is and awesome. I, and I think too, sometimes like the camping and Callaway Park and those things are big things. And I think sometimes as moms, like we put pressure on ourselves for those big memorable moments and don't get me wrong. We love them and they're wonderful things we look forward to. But one of the things I'm trying to be more intentional about this year is really just taking advantage of those little moments to connect. Mm -hmm. So my new thing is even if I'm making dinner or if we have uh, one of our kids has hockey practice and I've got one or two of the other kids with me on a particular night is just throwing at like a deck of cards or a game in my purse or just taking a moment to play a quick game or looking at an old photo album together. So just something small as a way to connect and just taking advantage of those little moments. Like it can even just be 15 minutes. So I think um, sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves, like to have that one-on-one special time that takes the whole Mm -hmm. day or whole afternoon with our kids. But sometimes it's just those little more regular moments to connect yeah, um, connect. are really meaningful too. That's huge. And I think it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be elaborate. Like you said, it's just kids need connection. I think more today than, you know, 10 years ago, because every single person you see in the world has a screen in front of their face. And I think that those in- incorporating those small intentional moments of connection aside from screens and, you know, those sorts of things really helps to bring relationships back into our family and helps us connect, you know, looking at each other's faces and laughing together. Those are the moments that really, I think, do the best for our stress relief as well, right? If you're looking at how to find calm in the chaos, like, do things that make you feel good, right? Like do things that make your kids laugh and then you laugh and that where you're looking at your family and just having those moments of gratitude that we're together, that we're all healthy, you know, whatever those are and and being intentional about trying to create those moments if you can every day in a small way, even if it's just at bedtime that you, you know, my kids are young and we have them say these little phrases at bedtime and, and that's our thing that we do. And, 
and, but it's, it's this intentional connection that's so, so, so important. And I just love that you brought that up because that's a huge thing for me too, is, is, is creating small moments of connection. Super, super important. We spoke a little bit about just now about kind of kid mental health and, and, you know, screen time in all of those things. And you've had so much experience in education. And in your bio, you specifically speak about working with um, specialists who work with young children with developmental delay and all that. So working with kids is obviously your forte. So talk to me a little bit about what have been some of the obstacles and wins in navigating being a teacher and a parent with your own child, because I understand one of your children struggles with anxiety and attentional difficulties. So talk to me a little bit about that now that we've kind of shifted to talking about mental health. Yeah, no, it's, I think as a parent, it is, it's always tough, of course, to see our children struggling. And I think the tough thing with mental health, although it's become such a more prevalent topic of conversation out there in the world, which I think is wonderful. But um, what we found hard to navigate is that when our child is at school, you would have no idea that anything was wrong. Yet when hmm. he comes home, uh, we see the effects of the struggles that he's been having inside of himself through the day. So that disconnect piece has made it really tricky. And then wearing both the parent hat and the teacher hat, I think um, my husband is a principal and then I'm in education as well. So I think we've struggled with not wanting to overstep the line <laughs> with how we support our child and and work with the teachers in supporting our child at school mm -hmm. uh, but what I would say and I know it can be tough as parents um, so our child we've had him formally diagnosed and part of the reason for that um, was to ensure that he got the supports or, and or had the supports available to him at school so when you have a diagnosis then uh, there is um, an obligation by the teacher and the school to provide accommodations and supports mm -hmm. for your child. Most teachers are amazing and they'll um, support children in all the ways, but it gets harder as they get older and they have more teachers. And so mm -hmm. we really wanted to ensure that um, he could have those supports. Another piece I think that's important um, with the diagnosis piece is that uh, our child gain a better understanding of who he is as a person, understand his strengths and areas of challenge, and then also be able to advocate for himself. So the wonderful thing is kids can go to university and still receive accommodations and support. So I think sometimes parents worry that by um, giving their child a label or a diagnosis, it will really limit a child's opportunities. And I really feel that it's the exact opposite. <laughs> I think that it is empowering and a child is so much more than that label, mm -hmm. but I think it provides the child with tools that they themselves can access uh, and learn about, but also that they can get from uh, teachers and schools. So 
that's been good. And then the other piece of it too, I would say, is it's so important for parents to have conversations with teachers. So I think that's been really helpful for us, especially with um, our child's attention challenges. So his are, um, he has ADHD inattentive type, mm -hmm. which means he has trouble focusing on the important information and he has anxiety. And those two kind of tend to go hand in hand because if you're having trouble focusing, then you're feeling anxious because you're missing things and mm -hmm. it cycles. So having those conversations um, and not an email, but at least a phone conversation or an in-person conversation with your child's teachers is so important. And having those conversations earlier in the school year, I think just sets up everybody for success. Um, and you're, depending on the age of the child, um, you could have your child involved in those conversations as well. And I think those are the things that have been the biggest, uh, the biggest wins for us and made the most difference. Thank you. Cause I think that this is something I see in the office a lot as I also have a bit of a specialty in pediatric mental health. And so I have parents come in often and there's a lot of resistance well, I wouldn't even call it resistance, anxiety around getting a label on a child. And I totally understand that fear because as soon as that child internalizes that label, what does that mean to them and that sort of thing. But I also agree with you so much that by getting the awareness of what the issue actually is, right? Getting a lot of clarity around, you know, what difficulties the child has? Is it processing difficulties specifically, right? Because without knowing what the, what the difficulties or issues are, we don't know how to support them, right? So to be able to get a lot of clarity and accurate assessment and diagnosis is so empowering for the families. And most of the moms that I've worked with um, and who have gone on to, you know, more formal psychoeducational assessment to get these diagnoses do feel a surprising sense of relief when they actually get like, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with, right? Now I know how we can get the supports. Now we have, you know, a sense of, you know, what supports exist and how we can access them. And then again, like you said, it gives the child a bit of empowerment as well, saying that they can, they have a label that explains why they, or what, what struggles they have, right? And so that is, that's super helpful. And I agree with you completely in engaging anybody who would be involved in that child's education so that, that you're all on the same page. And I love that you brought up that children, you know, with attentional difficulties or, you know, any kind of struggles from a learning perspective can go on and be just as successful as every other single person, like any other person, right? It doesn't limit them. I think we just have this more awareness. Probably 20 years ago, there was so many people graduating from university with attention deficit disorder. We just didn't know it at the time, but they still graduated and they still went on to get great successful careers and all that sort of stuff, right? It's just now that we have this awareness, we think that that's going to hold them back, but I don't think it does. I think you're so accurate in that. No, it really doesn't. And I think the big thing for our child is um, the psychologists that have worked with us have been amazing because they've really also identified for us and for him what his strengths are. Mm -hmm. So now when he faces a difficult learning situation, for example, he knows what strategies and tools and strengths he can draw on totally. to get through that challenge. So 
it's been, uh, it's been amazing. Incredible. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not been just very, awareness very on what do you struggle with, but it's awareness on like, what are you amazing on in right at what can you, what can you call on skills wise? Like maybe you're not a great visual processor, but you're a great auditory processor, or, you know, maybe you don't learn well seated at a desk, which a lot of kids don't right? A lot of kids don't. I'm sure you could attest to that, but maybe you learn great if you're able to like, you know, move around while you learn and all these different things. It's, it's looking at where can we find this child's strength and the awareness. The only way we get that awareness a lot of the time is to go through with the assessment and, and all of that. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for your insights on that. I think that's really going to be useful for listeners because I do hear from a lot of my listeners in my community about children with anxiety, specifically children with attentional difficulties. And there almost exists a little bit of fear around exploring that. And I think it comes from this labeling, right? They want their kids to do the best possible, they, but they don't know how. And they're afraid to go to the system because they're afraid to, that their child would be labeled as something being wrong with them. So, so if you're listening and you want to chat further with Tiana about that or anything we discussed in this podcast, we'll be sure to share her information at the end of this episode. So thank you so much for that. Okay. Well, Tiana, it was amazing having you chatting with us today on the Mind of Our Motherhood podcast. Can you please share with our listeners where they can connect with you and how they can listen to your awesome podcast? All right. So on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Part-Time Jungle, and my website is www.thepartimejungle.com. And my podcast on Apple Podcasts is The Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for having us. And thank you listeners for tuning in. And we look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get updated each week when a new episode is released. Have comments or questions about this episode? Reach out to me on either Instagram or Facebook at Carly Crew or through my website at carlycrew.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with someone you love or snap a screenshot and share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can say hello. As always, remember, you're meant for more mama and there's nothing wrong with that.